Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to be speaking with Sneha Biswas of Early Steps Academy. In this interview, we are going to be breaking down exactly how she got started, her vision, and what exactly is Early Steps Academy and how she's disrupting the edtech space. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to my channel. My name is Lena Marie Saleh, the edtech guru. I want to thank you so much for spending time with me on this journey for all the support that you give me and for following along. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, and let's get ready to do this. Sneha, would you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to be where you are today? Let me start from the beginning. Yeah. So I uh, am from India. I grew up in a small town in eastern India where I did my undergrad from India, from IIT Kharagpur, which is not too far from where I grew up. Uh, and IIT is at the engineering and sciences in India. Uh, so from there, I was a teacher for India, which is well, similar to, it's under the same arm of teacher. Teach for America, Teach First in UK, Teach for China. And then I worked in an oil services company, which is called Shangir, which uh, where I worked on ships in the deep seas of Gulf of Mexico for uh, almost one and a half, two years. Then I worked, uh, led operations in Africa, in the uh, East Africa border with Mozambique and India. And then worked in a, in a sales role in London for two years, then moved to our headquarters as an economist uh, in Houston. Then I did my MBA from FPS, from Harvard Business School for in the class of 2020, and joined Bain again back to Houston. Between all of this, how did I land to Houston again? So growing up in a number one in a small city, uh, one of the things, of course, is uh, lack of exposure. You know? But I didn't have that lack of exposure because I had a parent like my mom was somehow she understood that education was something that went beyond school. Uh, all of us, like, you know, everybody around the world, school is almost like you know, an auto, autopilot mode for parents. At a certain age, you send them to school and there is this untold sort of uh, underlying promise that that is sufficient for your child to do well in the real world. The whole point of education is that you know, you'll be able to survive, you'll be able to do well in the real world. But unfortunately, that's not true. Like schools around the world, they be like, you know, you've gone to school in the US, I've gone to school in India, somebody has gone to school in Japan. Broadly, the subjects taught in school are like, you know, maths, business, chemistry, we all learn the same thing. The pedagogies might be different, teachers' ratios might be different. Uh, you know, somewhere physics is more application based on the base, but broadly it's the same. So there was a huge, like, you know, developing skills, for example, just being able to think on your feet, be able to be more confident in yourself, be able to articulate, just the ability to learn more, all of that does schools somehow miss teaching. And of course, they have limited time, so that they, they do a fabulous job, but that is all they can do, right? My early upbringing, my mother, like, she would make me read the news, she would make me participate in debates, elocutions, competitions. Uh, I would read, like, all of these, whatever, encyclopedias and magazines. So that helped a lot, especially for the first time I saw it was when I went to IIT. Yeah? Like, everybody is uh, super smart in math, science, physics, chemistry, when you are in a place like IIT. But what differentiates you then? And it is mostly your personality, your ability to talk to people, be able to quickly understand concepts and just like, you know, uh, un, uh, in real world when you don't have a lot of information, how do you comprehend? So that was the first realization that there is a lot of learning that is happening outside school, which a lot of people are not just fortunate enough. Like I had a parent, it was just a matter of chance. The over a period of time, like one is, of course, uh, just the, of my personal, like I come from a very sort of, 
um, average uh, background. Most of my cousins have not even, um, you know, gone for higher studies and uh, things that me or my sisters have done. So I feel also very obligated to the sector. I feel like this is the only sector, right? Like unlike being a celebrity or a you know, soccer player, where only the top, not even one percent, point one percent people get an outsized return in life. Uh, education as a sector mostly makes a dramatic change for everyone from where you start to where you end your life. You can have a significant change if you have good education. So I've like gone back and forth with it multiple times. I used to teach maths um, to IIT uh, aspirants back in India, work with Teach for India, work with like uh, in the adult sort of training space, early uh, job space training kids. At uh, Harvard also, I was a faculty-nominated tutor. So work like work with tech in China. So back and forth multiple times, but HPS was a place where I could just like, you know, explore deeper in this one problem which was in my head for a decade, that why school not sufficient doing what it promises to, which is make you ready for the real world. And by the time, like in the last 10 years also, the world had changed dramatically. It's like, uh, when we were younger, entrepreneurship was not a real world. There was no crypto climate. Metaverse, there's just so much happening every day. And there's no way for children to keep up rest. You just like, you know, how would you be confident if you don't even know half of the world? If you only know mass physical chemistry, there is so much more happening. So that was another dramatic shift in the last 10 years that he, now it's even more important to introduce something which is more comprehensive, which is directly helping you face the real world. So that is where like HBS had the resources, the professors from the Harvard Education School, from the business school to, for me to think of the curriculum that will be modern, that will be sufficient uh, in terms of creating a 21st century learning you know, curriculum that will be global because another problem with education is that every school in every city is slightly different. The schooling system in every country is very different. But when you move to a workplace like you, you know, I studied in school in India, we studied in school in America, but we need to interact with each other. The real world is global. So how do you create an early education system which is global, which is not like 20 years later you're surprised or you have to talk to somebody from India. Uh, so create one uniform curriculum was something which was missing in the K-12 space. So those two, three objectives, how do you create a curriculum which is number one global, which is sufficient to prepare you for, for the real world and which is modern and essential, which fulfills the needs of the changing workplace and changing nature of the world. So yeah, so that is, uh, so I decided to quit Bain and a uh, few months I did both Bain as, as uh, starting this whole venture and then decided that this would be something that obviously would have a more long-term impact, not just on how I want to live my life, but also on the world that I leave behind. So left Bain, uh, and since then I've been doing uh, like uh, early steps academy. Your whole story of how you started and kind of how you got into, you know, giving back and feeling that need to. Um, you know, I'm a very big advocate that students are not prepared um, for real life. And and you're right. It doesn't matter where you are really globally. Obviously, there's some countries that are pumping out people to just work in certain sectors. And we know that. But I think overall, just as if you don't have the access to the different curriculums or just exactly what you said, exposure, your mom did a really good job of exposing you. My parents tried to get us to be as like worldly as we could, but you know, my parents, both of them, one of them didn't finish high school and one didn't even go to college. They went to like a trade school. So 
it's just a different, um, different experience. So I think exactly what you're saying, like that modern education and, and the world is changing so fast that the education systems are not changing. And we see that globally. And we see, you know, if you, I've participated in like professional development things where you have like world conferences where things are going for 24 hours. It's very interesting to see that the pain points, no matter where you are in the world are the same for what students are facing. I just really admire that you're thinking about the global student. And sometimes we, we want to hone on just the U S market or just the India market or the Chinese market, but it's really about being a global citizen because you're right. You're somewhere else and I'm here and I have coworkers that are in Australia and the Philippines and all over the world. And it's really about being able to work globally with one another because our world is so connected. It's not like you just read a newspaper and what you knew in the information was just what's in the newspaper. Now we have can find news from anywhere around the world in, in less than a second. So I think that's pretty amazing. That's why you started Early Steps Academy right in the heart of the pandemic. So I'd love for you to be able to share a little bit about exactly what is Early Steps Academy and what do students do as part of the academy? Yeah, so see the whole idea of Early Steps Academy is to make children confident in the real world and to plant the seeds of confidence as early as possible. And as we discussed earlier, right, there are a few aspects to be more confident. Of course, your exposure, like knowledge of modern essential topics, your ability to just like be able to think outside, uh, having to Google up for everything, your ability to respond, react with other people, that gives you confidence. And of course, being equipped with the right set of skills and right set of things that one must know to conduct himself or herself in the real world. So the whole behind that like whole philosophy, of course, we needed a strong curriculum, which would imbibe all of these skills and knowledge. So what we do at Early Steps Academy is that these are live online classes for children globally. So we have some global classrooms that children from let's say US, UK, India, China, they can come together, learn together. What we use as a method, the pedagogy is the case study method of learning, which was pioneered at Harvard. And uh, we know that you know the case study method is extremely powerful. There's a reason why most higher ed spaces, uh, you know, colleges and universities use the case method because the strongest point of the case method is that it is able to uh, transform classroom knowledge directly into real-world experience because the cases are from real-world. So if you're learning, let's say if you think of a Harvard classroom, yeah, if you're learning finance from a book, you're learning the theory of it. If you're learning finance from a case study, you are actually seeing what a CFO or a leader did in that context and how solving those numbers actually helped you for that decision. So the innovation that Early Steps Academy brings is to bring this powerful method of learning to children as young as age, just age 20. Of course, you cannot pick a Stanford or a Harvard or an MIT case and give it to an 8-year-old or even an 18-year-old, right? All these case studies are written in-house. We have an R&D team who, which basically churns out all the case studies. These are in the context of, in the language of the child for about things, people, companies, whatever that is, which children can relate to, children can understand. And then we teach the core concept concepts uh, in terms of, let's say, it's an entrepreneurship module or it's a STEM-based, uh, 21st century STEM-based module or life skill module. We teach those concepts. We teach those skills of thinking, structuring your ideas, continuous thinking, articulation through the case study. So everything at Early Steps Academy is through the case-based learning. There's a facilitator, there's a moderator who conducts the session, the replica of the real world with the objective that, you know, when you do it over a period of time in real world, if you, you know, remove the moderator from the set, the children, they are equipped that they are able to hold a discussion, they're able to have a, you know, the ability to navigate 
navigate between different topics, different people, diverse set of exposure uh, on not just topics, but also people on, and different contexts. So that is what early steps is. These are purely live online classes at the moment facilitated by moderators from around the world. I think that's really great to have students also be in a global classroom because I think that that's also oftentimes like a missing component. School districts or schools don't even collaborate with each other with it, even if they're within close spaces. So I think it's really neat to have them being able to do that and also bring yeah. in royal world experiences to their level because it's important for them to see, I think, how it actually works <laughs> in the context of, of real world. You know, we're reading books and we're like, okay, that's cool. I get it in the book. But then like, how do you actually apply it to life? And I think that's an important aspect to bring in. And also for them to see people's different perspectives from different places because that's so important. And they learn so much about each other and then they become more um, empathetic to each other and understanding. And I think that's also an important part too. Yeah, like conventional education or whatever, like uh, what we do as uh, you working in the education space for so long, I'm sure you'll connect. Most of the system was built way back, right? Like uh, there was a purpose for it and it was a good purpose, right? Like with the industrial revolution, so much, uh, you know, you needed so many workers at masses. So you needed to create a, you know, a standard curriculum, quick curriculum. Everybody sits in like ILS around the world, right? Even the best schools, like you're sitting in ILS as an instructor or on the front. You're told that, you know, you need to listen to instructions, you know, you follow the rules you have to because you need to create a worker class. But now, like with so many people becoming creators, there's so many entrepreneurs, everybody is is like you know a problem solver if you want to survive you want to be a problem solver and the, the needs of the education has shifted and obviously everything else and like as you rightly said something back like upskilling for example for us has become such a big uh, space like we need to constantly upskill we need to constantly learn new things and it's quite sad to see that kids for that matter are not being upskilled so frequently they just like the first 13 14 years of their life in school they're just learning maths versus chemistry bio Maybe once in a while you learn a little bit about entrepreneurship, a little bit about policing. So that whole space where you need to just learn about things that are happening, not just in your locality, in your city or in your country, but things around the world, things that are changing rapidly, able to just like, you know, cross-border communication. So those things are not early stepping. It's an active to program right now. So of course the school is there. And then like there's so much more than 90% of the world that the existing curriculum is not able to provide as one of these some of the courses that you provide, do you want to talk a little bit about you're doing something a little bit different than most people by getting ahead on some of the trends that are happening right now, obviously around crypto, obviously we know entrepreneurship, but something else that also speaks to me is space technology. Like nobody is really talking about that or bringing that to the forefront. Um, so how have you, why did you choose the specific subjects that you chose? And then um, how has that been received on the other end? Correct. So uh, for the subject, so we have mapped thousand plus modern essential subjects uh like the first one year program is a small slice of those thousand plus subjects and uh, how we came to those thousand plus subjects from everything else that's happening right like when we say subjects is also the example math is an important subject right like and then as you mentioned like this tech entrepreneurship crypto nft climate life skills so we don't have thought of research talking to not just like uh, parents and children what number one is what is required in the real world as we spoke about upskilling why are people upskilling because they're not finding jobs why they're not finding jobs because the knowledge 
which is required for the new age jobs is lacking in them. So first was like understanding what kind of subjects are now more relevant in terms of the job market, in terms of the need in, in the real world. We also spoke to a lot of educators from around the world, from like Africa, from the US, India, like prominent geographies where education is very important, right? Like for example, in India, education is very, very important. It is like your passport to a better life. In America, for example, there is school district system and there's a very solid way of how education is imparted. So we spoke to a lot of educators who've been in the space for 20, 30 years, understanding like what they see as a trend, what they see as they wish they could have taught their kids, like right, you know, students. So that again gave us like mapping of what we think uh, what came out from the first survey of what uh, is needed in the real world, what the educators are thinking that they wish curriculum was updated on this. And then finally, we also spoke to a lot of parents and children, like what interests them. For example, space is something that is also very interesting. It's unfortunate that we are not able to provide that education, right? Like it's something that children will love learning about. The same with like, you know, what is uh, one is essential, there are three categories. Yeah? One is essential, second is engaging. The third is just like, you know, good to know sort of subject, something that must, like everybody should know. So a lot of like, like space is both essential as well as engaging. There are some things which are essential, but completely missing. For example, emotional intelligence, right? Like it is something like you see so many jobs in the 21st century, which doesn't require as much IQ, but it requires more EQ. But how do you teach, you know, that's not part of the core curriculum. So those like those subjects that we had in like a big, big pool that we narrowed down to these like thousands of subjects that we think uh, that came out as factually that we uh, got from the surveys that these are really important. This will be something that children will also engage in. And third is like at least this much you should know to survive as a 21st century citizen like must have. So that is how we have segregated and also the year by year thing also we are building like uh, in that pattern that these are must have. So let's cover in the first year of the curriculum. Then you know these are things that are good to know. These are something that help you achieve I think that's really great because it's important. And I, I like what you said, essential and engaging, because those are like the two really big pieces. And we forget about oftentimes the engagement piece that seems to be like the, I just recently read a stat that like only 42% of students in 2021 said that they felt engaged, but when interviewed 92% of teachers say that engagement is one of the biggest reasons for student success. So you have the really big disconnect. Teachers are almost every single teacher is saying that engagement is the biggest piece. And all these students are saying that's not a very 42% is not a very big amount of students who are actually feeling engaged. We're really seeing a very big disconnect. So the importance of upskilling exactly what you're saying for students is really, really important because a lot of times we just think about, oh, they need to go to school. They need to do sports and whatever. And those are really good things too. But the, the real world thing is that people have to upskill anybody and everybody you're upskilling. I'm constantly upskilling. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to know this because I'm going to be out of the loop if I don't. And then I think what you were saying too about emotional intelligence. I, I remember pre-pandemic, I had went to an event that was women in tech, but it was really just focusing on um, the tech world and, and what they needed was ran by an HR team. And they said that they spend thousands of dollars every single year giving these IT personnel and people who are in the computer programming world workshops on how to basically collaborate and communicate with one another because they're so used to being siloed and not being bothered. They really not good at collaborating with one another or kind of working. So they were spending all this amount of money. Now companies are looking for people who actually have those skills and can bring them to the table because they don't want to spend all this money fostering that for them. They want people to come in with it and the skills can be taught later. So it's really about just the development and upskilling. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So we focus on the course, course skills, as we say, apart from course of 
subject matter knowledge, which is critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity. Creativity first is having an independent thinking, not having to you know Google up for every answer. Because if you are googling up, somebody else has figured it out. If you need yeah. to, there's a creator. You need to think. Right? You need to come up with your independent solutions. So those are the four skills that we focus a lot on, which of course includes collaboration as well. Because most education system, if you look at both in school and after school programs, uh, either have uh, at least like even in the best systems, one to ten teachers to good ratio. Yeah, like I'm talking of the best of best. Some parts of the world, like if you think of Asia, Africa, the teachers to good ratio is even worse, right? So even in a one to ten, either it's one to ten. Then some parents to compensate and put their kids for after school program where it's one to one. They want like a personalized attention for your child, but neither is optimal, right? Like in real world, nobody talks to with the wall. You have to interact with other people to know how to conduct yourself. On the other hand, in real world, other than probably some drunk parties, you wouldn't talk to ten people at once, right? Like so, that whole concept of where you can brainstorm, you can you know have a, an engaging discussion in where it's three, four. People, you can react, respond. You can agree, even respectfully, politely disagree. You can build on other people's ideas. Is completely missing, right? In this whole dynamics of either one to one or one to many. So that is another aspect of the real world uh, collaboration, which we really want to focus on. Learn that skill. Not like you know, ten years later they don't, uh, or whatever five years later, ten years later they don't get jobs just because they know all the subject matter, but they're just not able to collaborate with other people. They do not have that confidence. So that is something uh, which we focus very heavily on how we have that skill of collaboration. And I want to switch gears just a little bit because we've been talking yeah. a lot about our students and supporting our students, um, and something that you know, we've talked about offline and now we're talking about online is just that you are a woman founder in the ed tech space. There's not a lot of women founders in the space and being a woman from India, like that's not also a very common sort of thing. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about how that has been for you, you know, just talk a little bit about that. I think I'm uh, number one, just used to be a few, but, uh, like I went to an undergrad where uh, the gender ratio is extremely skewed. Yeah. So in our batch we had 30 girls and 750 men oh my so, gosh <laughs> so yeah, and then, and then i worked uh, in the oil field uh, services industry on ships because like more, most of like you know i used to be the only girl in the oil field there would be another 50 60 men so uh, number one it's not new but of course one of the things that even at early steps academy we want to uh, give more girls opportunities because one of the things that lacks when you do not have as many people of similar type around you is just the network right like uh, of course there are uh, you know men have their own network women have their own network they want to support each other but if you don't have enough people who are you supporting right like uh, the second is of course like this amazing model of course i've been very lucky to find it but a lot of our uh, my mentors are professors in the business education school, so that has been very meaningful uh, in terms of getting the right guidance on tracking and other things. But of course, uh, two things that you mentioned one of course is uh, being a woman as a founder, also being a woman from India, being a, uh, being a founder. Typically, a lot of Indians are in very conventional uh, career tracks. Do engineering, like have a stable job. It's interesting when somebody points it out. You get, get to think about it, but usually on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't see like uh, uh, because probably I've been in been in a similar sort of gender uh, diversity space for a very long time. I don't see it. 
as an advantage or a disadvantage. But of course, I'm aware that that is a real thing, and I hope not not through like you know at least through my work, I'm able to create equal opportunities for the next generation. That is all I can do. Like in terms of hiring, in terms of just like the. Uh, female students that we get, we uh, I think being a female founder in the education space also makes those things. You you're more aware of creating curriculums which are more equal, of creating spaces for students which are which are more equal. Uh, there are certain things that we know that women do not get a chance for, so creating those opportunities so that you can push more girls towards uh, a, a world which is more equal. So that's all uh, I think. I think there's an advantage there being a being a girl, but yeah, I don't know if there's a like you know if there was an answer that you're looking for or something. Like thinking that could be you know could be a difference. I mean, it makes a ton of sense being like underrepresented, I guess, and you just kind of get used to it. So you forget sometimes like, oh, wow, you know, um, but I think it's mm-hmm. great to, for people to be able to look up to you and, and what you're doing and, and, you know, fighting the good fight, I guess, for everybody out there, but even including yeah, you know, girls actually, and that women in those me. spaces. <laughs> so actually that reminds me, uh, no, there was a little girl, like a nine-year-old uh, student from Spain. Uh, she recently wrote to me, like it came through, like she wrote on the early steps academy she's a student here she's been in the bus for about i think seven months or eight months so she wrote a little handwritten note when you were a child did you dream of starting early steps academy so the sort of like she's a nine-year-old uh, you know girl who now knows about the founder being a female so it's almost like you know in her mind it is a possibility right like uh, there are these girls who grow up and lead companies who build things for the world so that i feel is actually quite an advantage because uh, for boys to see role models there are many not many little girls have that kind of just like looking up to people, looking up to roles that they want to do tomorrow. So I think that was very heartwarming that, yeah, like I'm being able to at least inspire the next generation to do things that maybe like, you know, 20 years later, the world will be more equal. I love that. Well, what is the best way to get in touch with you or to find more information about Early Steps Academy? So for information, the website is the best way, www.earlysteps.co. It is not com, it's C-O-C-O. And there's an email like the support at earlysteps.co where if you write, if there's something which is directed to me, it, uh, the team forwards it to me. And anyway, I, if you are a parent, if you are a child, I would love to interact. So I, whatever time I find, I actually I find I love to interact with parents and children. So if you are a parent, please speak to them. I will definitely respond. And if you aren't already following her on her LinkedIn, all of these, all the website and how to get in touch with her will be linked in the show notes and episode notes as well. And I just love the content that you also put out on LinkedIn. So if you're not following her, I definitely encourage you to connect and follow um, all the insight that she's able to share on a daily basis. Neha, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode, and we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, Lina. Thank you so much. You've made it this far. I appreciate all of your support. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, throw the comments below in the comment section. I'm always looking for new ideas and hot trends, or if you're looking to sponsor our podcast and video episodes, reach out to us on any of our social media channels, and you can even find us anywhere you find your podcasts. Once again, my name's Lena Marie Saleh, the EdTech Guru, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody.